You're listening to the Haney Company Financial Guy Show. No nonsense, just a crazy mix of life, business, the funny, and of course we're going to talk about your money. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. What could go wrong? Welcome to the inaugural, this is our first episode of the Haney Company podcast from Haney Company University, and I am the Haney Company financial guy himself, Brian Haney, and I have one of my favorite people in the world who has decided she would be willing to be a guest for us today, and we are going to, we're just going to have a ton of fun, I know, so Cheryl Hickerson, welcome, thank you for joining me today. In the world? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're like, I just, if you people could see me, I got all flushed. I was like, oh, no, we, we, we have a ton of fun and uh, we, we have, have we, we have kindred, we are kindred spirits and personality and profession. Uh, and it's great. I love you so much. There's a picture of you on my desk. I know <laughs> oh, no. Look, at, that's a good picture. That was yeah. great. That's nailed, that's nailed that, right? That's it. Yeah. That's it. You yeah. and my husband and Mark Lickman and Steiner. Yeah. Steiner, there they are. Man, those are four people that could get into a lot of trouble. Thankfully, not in that picture, though. So That's right. That's right. This is exciting. Well, we're going to have, so the hardest questions always come first. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So the first one is this. Would you rather visit space or go to the bottom of the ocean? You know, I'm going to say space. Okay. Final frontier. At least that's what Star Trek says, because I hear my husband when he plays it in the other room. But I think it's only because I'm terrified of being too deep in the water and the pressure. Not that that makes any sense. So, no, I like it. All right, I, going for space. Space is good. I, I, I waver back and forth. You know, I've seen those movies where, you know, the person like floats out into space and it, that seems terrifying. And yet I'm terrified of sharks too. So I'm, I'm right. kind of like, I don't know. You know, if they did a Sharknado in space, that would be the worst for me. So, I don't, <laughs> don't know. Don't put that Just, out there. Ian Zeering, Ian Zeering, he'll make it happen. I, I, I'm sure somebody's discussing something like that. All right. If you could be a superhero, mm-hmm. what would be your superpower? Oh, 100% I know the answer to this. My superpower would be to spread kindness through the world. Because I think if we could all just be a little kinder, a little gentler, a little more grace, our world would be just infinitely better a little I agree. Like, what is that rule about the one percent just one percent can be yeah. so magical no um, i love it i love it i'm uh, i i think my mine would be in the same vein or compassion you know two sides of the same coin you can't be compassionate without being kind and vice versa so i love it yeah, yeah. we could definitely use that not just in the season but in general Amen. all right if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, regardless of expense or anything else, where would you want to live? I would like to live in Italy for one year. I've never been, but I feel like I'm super drawn to every single movie, whether it's action-packed or it's romance or whatever. I mean, I just am like, I want to do that. I just, I would love to be there and experience the food and the wine and the the hills and just everything about it, the architecture. I think I would enjoy that. How about you? You know, right now for me, it's Ireland. And that's because I haven't been there. I have been to Italy and I can, I can confirm there's some great, uh, yeah. One of my favorite places that I've, I've had the the privilege of going to, 
I have not been to Ireland and I just, I don't know if you, you remember this, I just became an Irish citizen back I in this year. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, just having the, the personal, like, you know, ancestry.com connection to, to Ireland, uh, it's been number one for me for a long time. And hopefully, you know, as the uh, travel restrictions of the pandemic and kind of the craziness starts yeah. to, to play out, maybe 2021 or something like that. But uh, I'm going to get over there and I'm going to bring some golf clubs. So. Oh, man, you sound like Daryl. That's, that's his thing, too. So. Gotta happen. Yeah. So anyway, um, I think I think uh, my wife and daughter are on board as well. So we'll see. <laughs> you have an amazing wife. I always like to say, wow. No, no doubt. Married and up, dude. You so way up. up. Way up. That's 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 my claim to fame as a salesperson, right there. Yep. Yeah. So um, and and uh, yeah, she's awesome, and uh, she's. You know, I'm always proud to say this. She started a blog, probably not even two months ago, um, sharing out of her passion for things like health, uh, life balance, minimalism, a bunch of really great stuff. But she's just doing a fantastic job. It's Crazy Health Lady. So check it out if you haven't already. I think, I think you've probably seen some of it. It's, it's terrific. And uh, yeah, she does some great stuff. So She's good people. She is. All right. Last question. This one's easy. Besides this podcast, of course, and probably your own, which is fantastic, by the way, what podcast would you like to recommend that you've listened to that you think others should listen to as well? Yeah. The one I'm really digging right now has got to be Arwen Becker's She Handled It. She interviews these women who have been through extremely trying times. Yes, I have been on it, but that's not why. It's, it's the way that she's doing it and, and she's talking about really raw, really real feelings. So Arwen Becker, she's, she's, she's rocking it right now with her podcast. Well, and I, and I got her book. I saw when it came out, I ordered it yeah. uh, and have start, I have not finished it. I started to look through it. It's, it's you fantastic. you know I'm on the back of it? Well, uh, oh, should I go grab it now? I I I'm telling you, yeah, honestly. Love yeah. it. So it's a, it's a fantastic book too, but her podcast, she just asks really hard questions and it might be, um, adult language in some spaces so hey, that might be okay. a tracker. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real life, right? It is real life. No, she's in, and her story is fantastic. Again, like that's this community. So this is, this, this is, that's a perfect lead into really introducing you and, and females in finance, which is where all of our fun synergy kind of bubbles up together, right? So she's a great example of this community that you've built, um, but I don't, wanna, I don't wanna give it away. I want you to tell everybody and all, all of the listeners all about it, and uh, I, I want the full story, so go. Yeah, so Females in Finance was really birthed from a space where when you work in financial services as a woman, especially a more seasoned one, as I've been around for 30 plus years, Oftentimes we walk into rooms and there's no surprise there that for the majority of us, we are sitting among middle to older age white men for the most part. And that's just been the way it's always been. And for me in 2017, I was at a pretty, some people want to call it a dark spot. I don't, I found it to be my light spot. I got, you know, I got divorced. I was being much more observant around how do I protect my joy? 
you know, you are the joy that you bring to yourself. And so by doing so, what that meant was I speak at a lot of events. In fact, you and I oftentimes are at same events. We you are. know, sometimes I know, and sometimes they put us against each other in our time, oh, you know, I know unfair. it is not a, not fair at all. Cause I like to attend yours and I know you attend mine, I do. but I was in San Antonio, Texas in 2017. And I was at an event that had 300 people sitting out and it was only four women. I remember it vividly. And it was like, they diversified, like they really took financial services, like one in 25% of the room, one in 25% of the room. Wow. The room. <laughs> and it was not a single person of color. And it was at that moment that it struck me odd that I'm in Texas, where for the majority of the places where I had been, very bilingual, uh, very diverse, and yet it wasn't represented in the room that I was standing in front of. And I, when I left that conference, I literally went back and I erased all of my social media. Now, up until that point, I had been running social media for a very large insurance uh, brokerage office and very successful had won some awards. Uh, I was doing a good job I, for all intents and purposes, rocking it. I literally erased everything and started fresh. And I decided from that day forward, I was only going to feature articles where the woman was the subject matter expert and that the case studies or the examples were women as business owners, not women as a secretary, the woman as a stay-at-home mom, and not because anything's wrong with any of that. Because as you know, I oftentimes say, just because I'm about saving dolphins does not mean kill whales. Yep. I believe there's an ocean out there for us to be a part of and do our best work. But I just felt that my calling was to be very focused in this space. So I spent all of 2017 honestly doing research. I am a creative. I am not a researcher. Usually it's, oh, you know, I, I'm the person who's like pretty colors and I get kind of distracted to going off into that space to create. But I made myself step back and ask, how did we get here? Because I was tired of, you know, whether it's Limra in one ear telling me, our, you know, our numbers were becoming dismal, um, MDRT, our numbers are going down, all of these organizations that you and I oftentimes are a part of. Mm -hmm. And yet I felt like the answer was right there and tangible. So I interviewed 383 women over the course of 13 months. And so I, I do tell people, if you think dating one is hard, date 383. <laughs> it's rough. It's rough yeah. out there. But these were women who were dynamic in the space that they filled, even though they were all very, very different from each other. So we had CEOs of companies to call directors of insurance companies to the person who ran the policy machine at an insurance company. I was wanting to know three main things. How did you get here? So what did that ask look like? How did you train yourself? Or was it offered to you? So was it proactive, reactive? And then how are you advancing yourself through the years? Was it lateral because you went from insurance to investments or was it through a corporate chain at an insurance investment, uh, you know, CPA firm, whatever? Ultimately, what we found that, well, yeah, the core of financial services is 100% built for white professional males. But the further that we got away from that core, so if you became, it was a woman, it was a black woman, it was a black woman who was gay, a black woman who's gay who spoke English as a second language, the further we're pulling that individual away from what that core, uh, uh, that, that core architecture was, there was not support systems put in place. So females in finance, honestly, is that support system that goes out and draws that circle, that one we were told about in kindergarten, draw the circle around you and everyone else. That's all I did is I took a very simplified idea and I created a support system and then put bolsters behind it to bring them 
recruitment opportunities when jobs came up, training opportunities so that they could learn better, know better, do better, um, advancement opportunities. Every time somebody came to me and said, hey, I'm looking for a speaker for this, a subject matter expert for that, a writer for this, and so on, I was offering that back to the community. And honestly, I, all I wanted to do was reach 200 women. Like that was my original goal. If I get 200 women and I'll never forget eight days in, I was there and I was like, uh Oh, I was an accidental activist. You know, that I had built something and Kevin Costner would be like, so proud. And they came, you know, it was very, uh, you know, field of dreams. Now where we're at in, you know, 2020, uh, we'll easily crest 3000 members um, this year. Our goal for 2021 is 5,000 members. So anybody out there who wants to, to race me, I'm ready. I'm very competitive. Uh, but we have a very unique community because I do interview all of our community members. So I stay very busy. But then I get to know them. I get to know you better. Um, I get to, when I introduce someone to you as an example, Brian, like I know them. Mm -hmm. And I know you. And all of a sudden, so it's like one family, it's like your long lost cousin that I pulled up and said, here you go, Brian, you, I want you to meet them. And then you're off and you're running because that is exactly what I think a lot of people in financial services need. So it wasn't just females, although it's, you know, our name is part is that we really are a community that supports both men and women in this profession. So. No, and you do, you do a remarkable job. Uh, that's why, like I said, uh, you know, it's easy for us to to sync up and have a lot of fun, and it's and it's near and dear to my heart too because uh, I, I don't get to share enough uh, about this part of my professional life. But you know, I can candidly say, in you know, 16 years, I've probably learned some of the greatest lessons uh, from the women that I, I I had the privilege of working for and with and alongside. So. Uh, when I when I first came in and I was in banking and just, you know, this was like, I, I, I decided I wasn't going to be a journalist because really, you know, all the journalism opportunities wouldn't have paid me enough to live in a closet in D.C. So I was kind of pretty easy to, to, to kind of self-eliminate that as an opportunity. And banking comes along, coming in as a licensed banker, just trying to, okay, what is this all about and figure it out. And there were some really fantastic uh bankers that I got the chance to kind of work with in tandem at certain branches and certain offices. And just, I remember, um, you know, going to like a phone lab and, you know, we're all supposed to be spending time calling folks up for, you know, I don't know. And it was like a boiler room kind of thing. It was pretty crazy. Uh, and it wasn't that long ago. I was going to say that long ago. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but I would literally, I'd spend half the time on the phone and the other half the time listening. And, and some of the, you know, again, some of the best producing uh, women in that same position in that room, just their approach language, the things that they said, the things that they were able to dialogue about and understand on the phone, not seeing some, it was just remarkable. And I just, I soaked it in. And so as we fast forward to where we are now, and you know, why I'm just, I'm thrilled again to be, uh, to be on the ship with you is that, you know, I, it, seeing the financial industry landscape change away from what has been a traditionally white male dominated experience to one that actually reflects our culture and one that also really um, invites all of the right voices, uh, changes a lot of the perspective and the conversations. You know, you and I both understand 
all too well that, you know, how professional women might see their finances is probably much more different than how a professional man might see it. And just to be able to have that kind of a space and that kind of an understanding and have that equipping go across the landscape. So I just probably telling more of the story that I know you tell all the right on, on, on a regular basis, but I'm, I'm really glad that, uh, no, and that's just it, it, we, pretty easily. And that's it. We need men such as yourself. And I tell everybody, I don't want everybody in my community. I want a disproportionate amount of the amazing people out there in this community. You have that for sure. We, we, in space. we are building something very, very, very unique and they feel it. And it's interesting because you know, when I get done and somebody, um, I do, I try to do a really good job of seeing a tree for the forest. Like I'm watching conversations or I'm trying to be in front of people. And although some people say that, that, oh, that can't be sustainable, Cheryl, but it is, it is if you're watching for the ones who need it in the moments that they need it. And I will tell you that the men, the male allies that come through our program, uh, have said to me, you know, I overwhelmingly have a better understanding now of dialogue that truly happens. Um, you know, why we don't want to get dating requests through LinkedIn. Why we, <laughs> dude, you don't even know. How many times can I possibly be asked the question, does our community share Pinterest recipes and nail art? No, we do not. You're a member of it. You can, you can say that. So, it, but it's in those moments where we have a lot of uh, the unknown of or like the old school way of way people were doing things that it takes individuals such as myself. And I stood out there for quite a long time by myself, to be perfectly honest. Like, it's like, what is it an elf? I'm singing, I'm singing a song. <laughs> you have to be out there singing that song by yourself for a while. And it's not when the second person comes to stand alongside you. It's the third. Yeah. It's number three that changes the entire dynamic as soon as you hit that man you're ready to go you know and and what's so exciting to me is how often when I see the interactions within the community where hey I have this opportunity to speak or hey or, who wants to speak in this panel I get asked just as you do a lot of speaking engagements a lot Oftentimes I've asked those individuals, instead of having me speak, can I bring a panel of my, of my subject matter experts, our, our members? And I'm amazed at how many of them say to me, you would give that up? And I said, every day, all day of the week. To bring these amazing people who don't always get that same first ask. Because once you have them on the first ask, they're going to have 15 asks behind it because they're amazing. Yeah. And that's all they need is they need individuals such as you who, Brian, you're out there and you're talking you're a very big supporter in the diversity market and we need more of that every day, all day. But then we also need to have opportunity, even us in the diversity field who sit back and listen when times are hard during George Floyd's, you know, murder and protest yeah. things that happen. Um, we brought a, we had a, a subject matter expert who came in and talked about injust, you know, racial injustice and, and we had several hours of therapy. She was a therapist who came in and talked about that. I think that's where a lot of membership organizations is the soft skill stuff. And I think one of the things I like about you is you get out, you talk a lot about the soft skill stuff and the marketing work that you do. And, and you also talk about it from being an advocate for those in a diverse situation too. So I don't think you've ever stood on stage and said, I have all the answers. 
answer. I've definitely never done that either, <laughs> right? And so we're there to learn, but I think it's going to take a unique organization, whether, you know, mine partnered with other great organizations like NAFA, partnered with great organizations like the W Source with Hannah Bushbaum. Um, yeah. It's going to take us working together to change that landscape. And so it's just exciting. I get up every day and I can't believe that this is my work. It's my life's work. And then I get to work with fun people such as yourself and who people who get it. So I'm grateful. Well, I, I am as well. I, I, I value, as I said, relationships and, and you are certainly a favorite of mine and, and our family, uh, which, is, which is great in the NAFA community. And I want to talk, um, let's, I want to really kind of just dig into that, that landscape that we've mentioned. And I'd love for you to, to share um, just, you know, at least as you look out on the financial industry and all the work that you've done, uh, especially in the last few years, where do you see kind of the biggest groundswell of, of good momentum, uh, especially as it relates to, you know, uh, empowering and educating women? Do you have any, you know, companies, organizations that you think have just done some pretty cool things that are moving that needle? Um, and then hopefully let's get to some other areas where, you know, you think are, are the biggest opportunities for improvement where we really need to kind of roll up our sleeves and, and, you know, maybe get more people to the table to really dig in and, and make some changes and some headway. So what wins have you seen? So, I'd love yeah. to hear so some of the, the, uh, some of the wins that I experience when I'm sitting back and I watch and I go, Ooh, that's so good. I think that LPL is doing a fabulous job in their diversity space. Um, specifically, I think Jimmy Lee is doing a really great job with the Consulting Wealth Group and, and all of his people. Uh, he has an extremely diverse group of LPL um, advisors. And so I, I think that they're very focused on trying to do much the similar of what I'm doing, which is bringing men and women in, understanding the diverse market that's there. They have really good loyal, uh, loyalty within that. I think the only thing that I would say is the down if I looked at the pro and the con to that is when you have uh, a, a broker dealer, for example, any of them, because I think Raymond James has a really good women's program. I think that there's Cambridge has a fantastic one, but when you're only cross pollinating between Cambridge and Cambridge or LPL and LPL, I think that there is some synergy loss that happens because you don't get to learn from somebody else who has a different experience. And that's where an organization such as mine comes in. I think mm -hmm. NAFA's diversity, when Suzanne Carolyn came in and I think it kind of helped revamp a lot of the stuff that's going on there really gave them um, a very large uh, baton to carry for diversity and Emily Cabbage yourself, you're on that team, that task force. I think that um, like a good example, I tell, I don't know how many people I could probably tell, watch the Chris Gandy interview that Delvin Joyce did. It was fabulous. And he said really Fantastic. raw things. He said things that we need to hear in financial services. He wasn't going about it in this, let's tiptoe through the problems. Let's just get right down to it. NAFA is one that is, you know, trying to, uh, you know, they haven't traditionally always been the best at diversity. They know that and they're changing it. That is what I can work with all day, every day. Where I can't is when I hear Wells Fargo, for example, say that there's not enough pool of black professionals to choose from mm -hmm. that is completely BS. And, you know, that's when I, other, you know, whether it's me sitting back 
and going for real, you know, Sonia mm. Dreisler with solutions with Sonia sitting back on what that's just not true. So, uh, and for certain I'm quad a, you know, for the African American financial advisor association going, um, not so. So I think that there's a lot of work and it's going to take people messing up, whether they get publicly called that or not, they're going to mess up. They are. Where I get um, sensitive to is the ones where they did mess up and they apologize and they want to fix it. You got to work with organizations when they do that because we're going to mess up. And that um, where I can't work with it are the ones who um, still refer to me as like the little lady. I got that one two weeks ago. Oh, she's just a little lady at the company. No, I'm the CEO of my company. I'm not the, I am five two. If you're talking about that, okay, maybe get that part. Um, I do not think that my husband would ever refer to me as the little lady and you know, Daryl quite well. So we have some things there that we need to change. The, absolutely. Um, I think there's good wins going on. I want to give accolades every time all day when I see them. And then I think there's areas of real true get roll up your sleeves, get in there and let's work and fix it. And then I have the ones over there that are like, okay, misfits, you're on your own. Uh, you're not fixing anything. And that's the reason why I'm so protective of our community. And I interview everyone because I don't want to have to go out and, and have those problems. And you've been a member of our community now for a almost a couple of years now. I want to say you're, <laughs> you're getting your two yeah. mark there and you can see the quality <laughs> of the conversations that are happening. You know, they're, oh, yeah. And, it, and, and it's funny how vulnerable even some people will be that, hey, I really need a job. I bought this, I got furloughed, I, whatever it is they put in. And then we all circle around them to help, hey, let's foster an opportunity for this person. Where is one that didn't happen before? So I think that um, there's good winners out there. There's some that are really struggling and trying. And then we have the ones that aren't. And I'm really fixated on that, that median and above of, let's let's get in and get dirty and get to work but let's have a lot of wins are you no, finding I, that too yeah and you know i've i've we've spent time you know i know both looking at this i've spent a lot of time i'm glad you mentioned suzanne she and i we've probably talked through this ad nauseum uh i remember uh, over a year ago we i think we bend each other's ears for like two and a half hours at asa in columbus and just but you know, I, I, as our industry, um, you know, is, I think I've tried to identify kind of, well, what are the various levels or, or intersection points or groupings, right? So the corporate level, and we, you kind of, we already touched on some of that, right? You got like an example, like an LPL that's doing great things, an unfortunate, another example in the banking business that's, that hopefully yeah. can change and, and improve. But, I, I, you know, it's really changing a corporate environment um, obviously has to happen at the top and it has to, you know, corporations that decide to embrace diversity, equity, inclusion, and make it a part of the DNA, they'll win. And you're right. I think, you know, with growth comes challenges, comes failures, but as long as we're failing forward, that's a good thing, you know, but doing it because it's, it's, you recognize it as part of your ethos, not because you're trying to do it from a profit margin standpoint, yeah. from a cool sales angle standpoint, or just to check a box to look good in the public specter, but there's nothing behind it. Because in, in this environment, you know, a lot of that stuff, we're just, it's too transparent what, you're, what you are and are not doing. That's um, exactly right. And I think um, you know, we are, 
we're seeing, I think we're starting to see companies for what they are, what they aren't in that area. Um, good, bad, or And they're telling on themselves. They are. They are totally telling on themselves. One of the things, so you're a marketer and I'm a marketer. This is something that I, is my sweet spot. I look at things and I, 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 you know, I, I ideate on a lot of stuff. Like somebody will bring a, a logo to me and I'm like, Ooh, can, can I tear it apart? Can I give, you know, like go for it, you know? And I was just on the phone with an advisor in Tulsa and she sent me this logo and I'm like, Oh, but you know, one of the things that you, you just hit the nail on the head for me. And I call it divisive marketing when people are willing to take a sliver of who a professional is and they act on that, but they don't take the, the whole of the individual. I have a very big issue with that. Uh, so much so that I actually have a website that I refer people to when they ask for referrals and it's called the marketingpledge.com. Basically what it asks is, and it's not a pledge in the sense that it's some sort of, uh, you know, where it's more like the honor system, right? Mm -hmm. I'm asking people to not shink, you know, don't go out and ask somebody to speak on your panel simply because of their gender. Don't have them come and speak on your panel simply because of their race. Uh, their sexual orientation. You, I want you to actually have this person be a part of your brand, and and appreciate them and honor them as a whole person. You know, a black professional has so much to offer an organization, but there's so much that's going to come with that, and you have to be willing and you have to be able to say, "This is what I support. This is what I believe in." I am the mother of five children, actually six if you count my bonus boy with, with uh, Daryl. Two of my children are black. They are. And you know, I can't, um, I'm not going to sit there and say that I, I recognize all of the, the struggles that my two kids go through. But if they're indicative of anything going on out there, then it's my responsibility to say to people as an organization, this is what I stand for and yep. what I won't stand for. Yeah. You know, I have a very a zero tolerance policy um, on anybody being a mean or, you know, jerky or however you want to define that. And there's some more choice words that probably are appropriate for a podcast, but you know what I'm saying. And so, yeah. and, and, and one of the things I love the most was I had somebody say to me yesterday, an advisor in Dallas who works at a bank. And she said, what I love the most about you particularly is that you are so transparent who you are, whether it's this podcast whether it's you go to the website and read, whether you see me at an event at my, you know, our wedding party a couple of weeks back, I am exactly the same person. Yep. I don't deviate no from question. that. I am what, what you see is what you get. And I think we need more of that in financial services, not what you think we want to hear. And we need a lot more people to avoid the device of marketing tactics that are happening out there because they are, and they're hurtful. No, I, I, I'm glad that you said that too, because I think, you know, uh, the, the corporate space is one space and companies have to make their own decisions. There's a lot of hierarchy, but I think you, you and I will both agree. The second part of our profession where I see, and probably I've seen a lot of real good, you know, boots on the ground change is really at that agency level or that, you know, that whether it's a producer group, whether it's a large agency and a lot of things in between, I've seen a lot of real genuine engagement by leaders, managers uh, across the spectrum, whether you're in property and casualty, whether you're, you know, life insurance, employee benefits, you name it. And I think that's 
what gets me so excited. That's also what gives me a lot of hope and confidence to say, all right, like, you know, a lot of people in the industry get it and we're willing to call a spade a spade. We're willing to look and say, hey, we have been whale, white male, whale, <laughs> white male dominated for far too long. And also the industry has been, you know, from an advice and an access standpoint, tilted to a small minority of people with a lot versus making financial education, resources, services, you name it, widely accessible across the landscape of our culture and, and being intentional about that. And I see a lot of organizations really putting in the work to try to say, okay, you know, does my agency represent my community? And if not, what do I need to do about that? Yeah. And, I, and I'm just, that's what gets me so excited, you know, and that's, you know, females in finance, NAFA, MDRT, I'm seeing that in a lot of our membership organizations where those types of leaders are, are you know, coming together and, and hopefully you're seeing some of the same kind of stuff because it's, that's, oh, that's yeah. where I'm like, okay, we're going to get somewhere if, if the organ, if the agencies and, and really the stuff that faces society, faces consumers, if we see change there, yeah, now we can, now we're starting to see that needle move in a meaningful way. Absolutely. And I'll tell you too, for every person that's out there, if just one rule of thumb that you go by is reach out and talk to somebody, not every day, but once a week that doesn't look like you. And I mean, really be intentional about paying attention that every time I get in a call, everybody look. You know, when I started Females in Finance, I was very clear that I, the very first phone call I made was to Jocelyn Wright. Um, I've spoken on so many circuits with her. And at the time, you know, she was um, at the American College. And I said to her, uh, uh, she's a, uh, a black financial service professional. She owns uh, a firm. And she, <laughs> I made a phone call to her and she teaches diversity. And I said, you know, I, I need some assistance. And I said, and that is, how do I create an organization that doesn't just end up being a middle-aged white women's club? And she said, thank you for asking that. Because even though I'm a mother of two children of color, doesn't mean that I can negate the fact that unconscious bias is part of who I am as a person. And that is just who we are. So I had to exercise a muscle, just like going to the gym, the, the gym well, for me was my, my work, my, in my, I had to go out and start talking. And now it's, it's, it's like, it's just part of what I do. I mean, I don't have to even think as consciously about it. It is okay for professionals to say, Cheryl, it's not, it, you know, I want to back that up for a second. We're asking professionals to go into un and underrepresented communities that do not look like them. They don't even know if they're supposed to say black or African-American. They don't even have the words. And I tell everybody, if you think financial service companies do numbers well, baloney. We have FinTech for that. We do apathy, terrific, nothing. We are spectacular at nothing. Give us nothing, we can do it all day. And so what we're having to do is tell an entire community of professionals, you have to change. We're not going to give you any of the tools, but you got to do it. 
they're going to fail. You're setting them up. That would be like your child setting, you know, telling your child to go out and rake the leaves and you're not giving them something to do that or pick them up or put them in something. They're going to fail. We have to arm our professional community with words, with soft skills, all the, the, the good stuff that's inside of here. And, and then they have to be really real with themselves to say, do I really want to do this or not? Because if you're not, don't fake it. We know it. We know who they are. And that to me is why I go back to what I originally said, why I want a disproportionate amount of amazing people out there because they recognize it. And I would much rather somebody pick up the phone and call me and say, Cheryl, I have wanted for so long to diversify my practice. and I don't know how, will you help me? Yes. Yes, I will. Instead of, ah, I think this would look good on my resume. I think this would look good on my LinkedIn if I was a member. Well, I don't need that. I'm good. You just, keep going. There's other organizations that'll do that. And that's one of the reasons why I honestly keep my networking free. All of our networking is free because that way I'm not just beholden to someone's dollar to come in and talk. I want to actually know who you are so that you can get in there and have a, a real conversation with people. That's uh, And that's what I, I hear is uh, impactful back from them too, because they're like, this is great. I get to come in here and everybody kind of likes each other. It's not an enormous love fest because we've seen some people post some things that were like, uh, I don't know about that. So there are disagreements. I don't want you to act like I, I figured out, you know, some Pollyanna-esque type <laughs> environment. It's not. But we are respectful about it. And there's diplomacy. And I think that's all we're looking for. And I appreciate every time I pick up a magazine. I was just reading Insurance Newsnet and I saw your article, for example, in there, you know. I appreciate that because you're out there and you're, and you're doing the work. You're doing the work every day. That's what we need. More votes. More Brian right. Haney's. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think the world doesn't know what to do with the one Brian Haney it has, but I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Got my vote. Wow. Yeah. Um, no, and you're, and, and you're right. And, you know, I guess that's part of why, and we were talking about this earlier, right? Why I think, you know, the psychology minor that I got in college is probably the best thing I ever did educationally because I've always been just, um, yeah, passionate, interested in about how people think and relate and communicate and just all that kind of stuff, soft skills. But, but even more, more than that, you know, how do we form meaningful relationships and having, you know, having an industry that really deals with money, right? Money is the universal language. Everybody needs it everywhere on the world. Like it doesn't matter whether you have a lot or little, it's the universal language. Therefore, to me, our industry is the universal equalizer. Yeah. We as professionals can be relevant to everybody. And so if we don't get excited about that as an opportunity, then I don't know what else to be excited about, but having, like you were saying, being armed to feel maybe not completely comfortable, but at least confident enough that you can navigate a conversation that may not be uh, easy, but you know you can go in and learn and hold space for people and engage intentionally with people that are different, people from different walks of life, et cetera, but do that effectively enough so that way they come to the table and then you know hopefully there's there's not just there's business involved, but really it it's that groundswell of engagement and community where we don't have as many people feeling like they're, they're perpetually 
financially disenfranchised. That's one of the things that breaks my heart so much, and I'm sure it breaks yours. Yeah. Parts of our society constantly challenged in certain ways with financial disparity and, and, and kind of always feeling like the mountain's just too big to climb. And, you know, it, oh. it's just, it's just terrible. And I feel and now, that in my soul. <laughs> I mean, and now, and, and we know this, you know, the pandemic has exposed that even more because, you know, that, that whatever kind of progress there's, we're, there's just been massive change. And a lot of people that, you know, got above the poverty line, probably slipped back down and, you know, so we have now as a, as a community, and I think as an industry, an opportunity to say, okay, we're needed now more than ever, right? Let's go back out and figure this out and pull those people back up and, and, and reach across our society and our culture in a meaningful way. And I, you know, um, I, I don't know, I'm excited, but yeah, it's definitely, it's going to be big work, but you know, we, we've got some pretty exceptional people with us and every person in females and finance is just, I can't, ah, I just, I want to get to know so many more of those members. So. Um. Yeah, they're pretty special people. And, it, and I'm really interested in how each person does something maybe a little different or has a yeah. little twist in what they're, uh, I sit back in awe of so many of these men and women because they are so, um, they're doing the, the, the feed on, the street kind of work, right? And I and I just adore that. I think the other thing too is that when I talk to them quite selfishly, one of the things that I love the most is I, I've told everybody, I said, do you realize that my financial service mind has been like, ex not only just expanded, but sometimes blown because somebody will say they do something and I'm like, you can do that? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you can do that? I was on the phone with a woman up in Denver who, for example, she works with this whole life insurance to help people pay off debt. And she was talking me through the program the whole time. I kept going, you can do that? Even, I've worked in insurance for 30 years, didn't know that. And so this is where, yeah. And I will tell you that, so the, the composition of our group has a very big um, space that holds in the insurance and investment realm of about 70% of our community is in that space. But we got this really big chunk of bankers. And when this, you talked about the pandemic, when that pandemic hit, I would love to say, oh yeah, it was our insurance and investment people. No, it wasn't. It was our bankers who, who stood up in that group and said, I can help you get to PPP money for your clients. I can tell you how to do a forbearance on a house and it won't hurt their, you know, their credit. Let's restructure debt so that they don't fall behind, you know, underneath that line. Um, it was interesting to watch an organization like mine really help one another. And this is where I go back to as much as I love LPL's diversity program or Raymond Jane or all of these, we really needed something so much bigger to cross pollinate that information between them so that they could be better professionals. I am a better professional today simply because of being a part of an organization such as Females and Finance and not because I built it, but because of the people that are there. I just happen to be the vessel. Well, and you just, you know, I think that, I mean, you're, you're right where I wanted to go with that in terms of where, where can we see some synergies, <clears throat> excuse me, and opportunities to galvanize more parties together. And I think that, you know, NAFA is a good example where uh, we're just woefully underrepresented in the banking community. Uh, we don't have, and, I mean, and shouldn't be, but, you know, that's, that's a huge opportunity. I mean, 
I'm so proud that I cut my teeth and spent five years in banking, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, did everything, deposits, loans, you name it, the whole nine. That was, that was extremely formative for me. But, you know, how much more valuable can that bring to the rest of the community, to the LPLs, Lorraine and James and all that, when you have those people in the room and vice versa? And I think that that's, um, you know, hopefully part of the new charge that we can lead in the membership space is try to get more of the financial industry to cross-pollinate more effectively. I think that that's the other thing that's frustrated me, you know, the, uh, the kind of the independent model you know, go out and find your, your accountant and your CPA yeah. and, you know, maybe a bank or two or whatever. And we, we have this very, it's just, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. It's, it's a broken way to go about it yeah. um, because that only lines you up to really serve a, such a small slice. And hopefully, you know, that works. And yes, there's a lot of reasons why you can do it that way, make a lot of money. But if you're trying to actually impact your community, it's, it's not going to get you there. And I, and that's where, you know, I'd, I, I like to see people that engage at, you know, uh, a, a NAFA meeting and say, all right, we need to, we need to bring some reverse mortgage people in. We need to bring some. Oh my gosh. I'm so well, happy. So you talked about the mortgage. So yeah. I tell people when they, they ask me like, what's something innovative we can do in financial services. And this is my response to that. When we are looking for professionals to bring in, there is nobody better suited today than realtors. They have to get licensed. They have to do continuing education. They have to underwrite loans. They have to ask people hard questions about money. They have to fill out applications. They, and guess who? Women. A lot of women realtors that are out there. I really feel <laughs> bullish that if we went into the realty market and we met with realtors and invited them to NAFA meetings, invited them, and I have several of them in females and finance, we have so much synergies between the way we work off of commission for a lot of times. Sometimes they do fee structure where they charge a flat fee. It is so similar to financial services and what we do that I believe that if we could find a way to make that work, to bring those individuals into financial services, they're ready. They're yeah. ready. And what a good bridge too. I mean, you know, that's, you're, you're, you're giving a great quantification. And what I'm hearing is they focus on lifestyle, right? Your home, it's not a home. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's where your yep. family comes together. Paying yep. a mortgage isn't just a bill. It's substantiating, you know, dinners together at night and movie nights on the weekends and, you know, all. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm all for that. And, and I think that that's, you know, part of the other, part of how, you know, when we're engaged in transforming the, the landscape, the financial landscape is also making sure that all the parties that are engaged with the consumer can, can have those types of conversations, not just very, you know, traditional boxed up or, you know, talk product services yeah. kind of stuff. I think we really need to be sensitive to let's, let's understand lifestyle. Let's understand uh, personality, mentality, emotional, Let's understand, you know, life history a little bit, right? How, when you come to the table and you think about money, depending on what part of the culture, economy, and demographic landscape you're from, you may have a very, very different way of thinking about it and experiencing it than I do. Yeah, I have a, a realtor friend here in um, the St. Louis area. Her name's Liz Whittier. 
and Liz, I was telling her one day we were, she's actually sold a home for me. And we were talking one day and I was telling her, I said, yeah, you know, your, your, your profession really would be great for anyone. We were talking about it. And when I told her, she said, you know, the only thing that I see wrong with your profession, this was very insightful. And she said, we 100% depend on when, especially from a home purchase, we always look to, if it's a couple, we, we look to the wife or the, or the female lead in that purchase, because I can tell, she says, from the minute I pull up to a house, if that person is not bought in, I don't care how nice that is on the out, it doesn't matter. That person, that female lead of the family has to feel that they can have a home there. And she's like, I don't want to, you know, and, and I, she says, I couldn't imagine working in a profession where they don't come to the women first and ask them about the sale. And I can tell you from somebody who was an underwriter for a long, long time, I used to get applications in and I would look and it would be the life of the man, the woman would be the beneficiary. My number one question every time, and they used to call me the advisor advocate, I'd say, does this woman have any life insurance? I would go back and just ask them. Well, I didn't ask. Is it part of it? And I'm like, well, I'm just curious. You took an app on the man. What about the woman? <laughs> and I'm, one, I'm giving you an opportunity to make a secondary sale. But second, too often what I heard coming back was, well, they don't, they're stay-at-home moms. There's value. There's value to that. Go back and ask again. <laughs> so it was an interesting dialogue to have with Liz about couldn't believe that we worked in a profession where oftentimes they thought that men was the final sale on it when, quite, when, when hers was completely flipped to it needed to be the female lead of that relationship that is oftentimes going to be the person who's going to make the decision on whether that home is purchased or not. So I think we have a little finessing to do there, but I still think that realtors are a fantastic um, recruitment resource for us in the long term. They're not part of our work. Uh, no, I love it. And, and, and the point that you just made, I think is a good kind of probably step to wrap up um, in terms of, bringing it back around and, and, you know, what can we do to help equip someone that's in this space in terms of, all right, if, if you're, if you're, you know, wanting to be a better professional, wanting to grow in diversity, equity, inclusion, and certainly wanting to uh, improve engagement with women uh, across a lot of landscapes. I think that you just, you did a great job of pointing to something that's simple, right? Simple way to, to take a step. Because I think sometimes when it comes to making change and especially change that deals with diversity, it can seem pretty daunting yeah. and people can be afraid because they, they don't want to mess it up. But there are a lot of small steps that you can take that lead you down that path. You know, I think, I think of when I first wanted to get involved with uh, the Gay Chamber in Washington, D.C., which is now the Equality Chamber. Mm -hmm. And I had been fortunate enough to be in that community when I was in banking. So when I navigated into having an independent financial practice, I had some good relationships. But I, that's where I went first, because I, I didn't just feel maybe confident enough to just go into the chamber without, you know, really getting connected and getting to members of that community. So I think, you know, there's a lot of small ways that we can help people take that first step. What, what first step would you want somebody that's like me, but, you know, is just kind of on the cusp. What, what would you tell them? Hey, this is a good direction that you can go besides joining females in finance, which is an absolute certainty. I believe that no matter what you choose to do within financial services, 
that you need to have a network that you belong to that you can bounce ideas around. That network needs to be safe in the sense that you can say things and people aren't going to like rip you apart. You need to feel good while you're in that network talking the people, the professionals you're working with that you wouldn't mind being shoulder to shoulder with them at places. I think too often we get, we get sold or enamored with the idea that we have to be a member of this because somebody said, Oh, you got to join that. And then you get in there and you think this is not feel good. Then that's not going to be a place where you feel safe, that you're going to share ideas, that you're going to express opinions, that you're going to be respected as a professional. And you tend to quiet out instead be thoughtful about where you network because that space can make or break your business. Believe it or not, just having a place where you can bounce around ideas, uh, stand among other professionals, feel validated in the work that you do will take you leaps and bounds. And I wish I had had that sooner in my profession, but I'm glad to have it now at 50 and going into my later part of my profession. Completely agree. No, I, I, I couldn't say it better. All right, give me some final shout outs. Who do you wanna, who do we need to plug and what do we need to say? Oh, does anybody, I get to choose anyone? Anybody you well, want, anything you want, right. anybody you want. Mm, so, okay, so one, I already mentioned Arwen Becker and I'm going to say it again. Arwen Becker for the Becker Retirement Group, Life with Arwen. She handled it, podcast, read her book, read her, listen to her podcast, she's wonderful. Uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to uh, my favorite man, Daryl Hickerson for Unified Financial Network, who's doing life insurance and debt restructure, and he does some estate planning documentation, which um, he absolutely adores doing that work. Uh, and I'm going to give a shout out to Zanelia Harris, Harrison Harris Wealth. And I'm going to say why, though. Zanelia Harris is the only person who, every time she hangs up the phone with me, says, you go stand in front of the naked and tell yourself you love yourself, girl, every single time I talk to her. Because she's all about the self-love. She is a self-love queen, and I get to be fortunate enough to call her my friend. She is my friend, and um, those would be three people that I absolutely adore. Awesome. Well, thanks for making time today. This was fantastic. We could keep doing this for hours, but uh, I know. That, that's not a space that my audience, I think, can last in. So to be continued, let's leave it at that, to be continued. Amen. Thanks, Cheryl. The information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Haney is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated, member FINRA SIP.